My guest this week comes from the financial world, but his new business, GameFi, is an interesting mix of money and gaming, into which he's introducing Bitcoin SV. I'm looking forward to learning all about it from AJ Pal Palmer. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. So AJ, I know you are a foreign exchange trader based in Toronto. Yes. And you're you're continuing to do that even though you have started a blockchain gaming company. So can you explain to me how you got from the trading into into the gaming company? Yes, for sure. Uh, ever since a young age, I was always interested in the stock market, always interested in the currency market, how they move. So um, while I was in school for electrical engineering, I started learning on the side how to trade. Uh, within, I got involved in the community, within a trading community, and uh, we were trading good. We started trading London sessions for around six months. From there, I met another person. His name is Alex. He's the one that introduced me to crypto markets. He was making way more money than we were in Forex. <laughs> in were, you, were you attracted into Forex with, with your electrical engineering background in a kind of mathematical way? Were you, were you thinking there must be some sort of formula here? Yeah, I was always analyzing the charts. Why are they moving? I would look at any big moves that would happen. Why did that move happen? Is there historic? Is, is there something historic that happened? Is there any news headlines that happened? And then I got into a group called Capital Hungry, um, where Jeevan, he was my mentor. He would teach us about the fundamentals and the technicals of trading. He taught us um, how how the news affects um, the stock markets and the um, and the foreign exchange markets. So would you say that there is a sort of scientific approach that you can bring to that that is successful, or is it not really a science? No, no, I wouldn't say so because most of the Trading that happens now, it's not human trading anymore. It's more of AI trading where there are banks trading it. And that trading is happening based off the fundamental news. So if a news were to come in and say it was a bullish news, it would go up. If it's a bearish news, it will go down no matter what the technicals are showing. Right. So you have to use human judgment as yes. to the importance of the news and the relevance yes. and everything, I guess. Yes. Right. And from there, we built a community there. We started trading every day. We would trade live on Zoom. And from there, I met a person. His name is Alex. He's the one that introduced me to crypto. I saw him. He's making more profits than I am in Forex. So I was like, hmm, why don't I go over to crypto as well? And that was just crypto speculating. Then. Yes, yes. So he then introduced me to a coin called Pikachu. At that time, I was like, you know what? It seems like a good investment. Let me put my money into it. I put my money into it. The original developers of Pikachu, they decided to abandon the project. So they dumped their developer tokens and they abandoned the project. And now we're all stuck in a 95% drawdown. Nobody knows what to do. Uh, But there's a community behind Pikachu. And within that community, I started working with with the people from that community started finding web developers, started finding Solidity developer, started finding graphic designers. And then we promised the community, there's Pikachu, but we want to um, have our own project where we're in control of. And then from Pikachu came Pika, 
Why? Because of uh, legal reasons. We didn't want Nintendo coming after well, Pika us. Pika was your thing that you started, wasn't yes, it? Right. Yes, yes, yes. So we started Pika. So what we did was the peep, the community that was from Pikachu, they all heard it alongside with us, right? They're all in the 95% drawdown as well. So we had asked them, send in your old tokens. We will drain the old liquidity pool. We will launch a new token, which is ours, Pika. And we'll use that old liquidity pool to fund our new project. And that's how Pika came to life. And how successful has that been? Then? It's been quite successful, I would say. <laughs> right. From there, um, I, I mean, we just had an upwards trajectory ever since. From there, we then went on to going to Switzerland. We incorporated our company there. We wanted to be docs so everybody knows who we are. Um, that we really care about this project. That it's a real project. It's just not like it's, it's just not a pump and dump. But, would but say. Pika is just like a, a crypto coin that you invented. Yes. You generated it and then you sold it and you made lots of money like that. that we, to form the company, yes. So was that process through an ICO? No, because we didn't have an initial coin offering. What we had was the old Pikachu um, holders. What they did was they sent us their Pikachu tokens to drain the Pikachu liquidity. And then what we did was we airdropped uh, the Pikachu holders that had sent us their tokens. We airdropped on one-to-one tokens of our new token of Pika. All right. And that's how we funded ourselves. And was there a sort of management behind Pikachu that uh, you had to deal with or did that not really exist? Or There was none. We had to, let it, we took over the project basically because the old developers they abandoned the project and they had left. But it was not our intention at first to start our own project. All we wanted to do was make Pikachu successful. So after the developers had abandoned the project, it was sitting at around 35,000 market cap. We managed to take it up to 100 million market cap. And that's when the old developers, they came back and you saw, and we saw Cells come in, 70 E-cells, 80 E-cells, 110 E-cells, and our liquidity pool was absolutely being drained. And we're just thinking to ourselves, we're doing all this work for Pikachu, yet we don't have the developer keys. We don't have access to it. We really can't do anything with it. And that's when we decided to build our coin, Pika. Presumably, Pika was successful because people wanted to buy it, right? Well, why did they want to buy it, but they didn't want to buy Pikachu? Because they trusted us, I would say. Because they, it was a small enough circle that people small. would know who was behind it. Is that right? At that time, we were not doxxed. Nobody knew who we were at that time. But then, it was just so, that so, we so, were in the community for probably like each one of us. So there was nine of us at that time. Each one of us were, was in the Telegram community for 10, 12 hours a day, helping everybody um, with whatever they might need. So you were saying we're starting this thing, you, you know, get, yes. in bo- get on board and everything. Yes. And that there were enough people and enough interest that yes. the price went up, the whole project went up to $100 million. Yes. That's incredible. And where is it now? It's back down to $4 million. Oh. Yeah. Because after we had incorporated, we lost the name Pikachu. Now we're Pika. And then once we had to do our incorporation, we had to do another airdrop. So our old token, Pika V1, had to be converted into Pika V2. And that's where we lost a lot of our user base. And that's where we were building up. And why did the user base not like that? There's too many changes happening. First, there's a swap from Pikachu 
to Pika. Yeah. Now there's Pika V1, and now there's Pika so V2. So they sort of lost faith in yes. the project. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's but, right. but it, the thing is, we're here to prove the people wrong that, you know, like we're but, still here, we're still developing. But did you manage to cash in when it was up 100 million? No. 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 Well, that's very sad. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It'll happen again. We'll take it to 1 billion this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's get from there to. Uh, GameFi now. Yes. How what, how did you get? So from we there? had the Pika token. Now we have enough money in our corporation to. So we started thinking amongst the team, how can we make this better? Like we're not docs at that time. We're like, why don't we dox ourselves? Because in order for a project to succeed, we believe that people must know who's behind the project, who's actually working on it. And that's when we decided to go and incorporate ourselves. We also saw a lot of other tokens. None of them have corporations behind it. It's just the average Joe Smo makes a token, they do a pump and dump, and it leaves. So, so you wanted to really take the professional approach yes. and to be open about who you were yes. and set it up as a proper business. Yes. Right. And that's how GameFi came to be. Okay, but so how, what's, why, how did you get from Pika to GameFi then? Sounds like a completely different idea. Pika is the token name. GameFi is the company name. Oh, I see. Right. So under GameFi, there are more products. So Pika is one token. We have another token called Metra. We have a third token called Kai. Each th- and each three of those tokens, they have their own utility behind it. What I'm not understanding is that I, I know that you can buy all sorts of crypto yeah. coins and they go up and down and people are just speculating. But most of them yeah. are not coins that you can play in a game. Yeah. But how did you introduce the game to your project or all the games? So right now we're building our CyberFighter slash Galacticomize game. We have a token, Metra. We had to give a utility somehow. We need to give it a reason why should somebody buy that token? Right, so that was so your business decision that yes. you thought this is what's going to make it a strong token yes. because people can use it. Yes, right, but there I will see. be utility so that, behind that. Token. Right, so, so having decided that, you thought, well, the best way to provide utility is to put it into a game. To put it into a game. Right. Yes. But we, it's not just one token inside the game. The system is very complex. So the three tokens that we do have, there's evolution between them. So evolutions happen. Say you're holding, a user is holding a Pika token, but they want to evolve to the Metro token. Regardless of what the market price is, you could evolve your Pika tokens to Metro at a fixed ratio of 10,000 to one token. So now we're providing arbitrage opportunities to our investors. So now we're also ensuring that the same user is also staying in our ecosystem as well. So now there is the evolution, and now we're talking about de-evolution. So how Galactic Mice brings the de-evolution is the user, they enter into the game with Metra. So they buy the NFT with Metra, they buy the booster packs by burning the Metra. Then the user in the game, in the game has its own reward system. It collects up, the user will collect up, and then at the end, when they want to cash out, they'll cash out on Pika tokens. So the only way from dollars or whatever into the system is through pico no you could buy metra straight oh can i yeah, yeah. so i could i could just buy metra and hold it because yeah. i thought it was a good investment yeah. i wouldn't have to play a game you don't have to and and what's your analysis of 
the customers, do you think how many, what's the proportion of people who just buy the tokens hoping it goes up in value as compared to the people who are really there for the games? I mean, for the game, we are limiting the amount of users that can play the pay-to-earn game. So what we have seen in the past is, um, I don't want to say the company name, no. but another company that have made a game, it was very good at starting because there's not a lot of people playing it. But as soon as more people started playing it, the rewards started to decrease. And currently for that game, the ROI is six months before you can even earn the amount of money that you spent on the NFT. So what we're doing for our game is that on the Ethereum side, we're limiting to 7,777 people that can... So there will be 7,777 Cyberog NFTs available. So only those people can play the pay-to-earn game. On BSV side, it will be 5,000. And why do you want to limit those numbers like that? Why? Because now there isn't that saturation anymore. It won't get saturated. But what would, uh, when you say saturated, what, what exactly would go wrong if lots more people? If lots more people start playing it, the reward payout system decreases. Because otherwise you'd be just having yes. to produce value yes. for, for and more and more people. How, how so it's like, a, it's like an incentive that the company offers, but you don't want to offer too much. No, no. So what is happening is that when people are evolving their Pika tokens into Metro tokens, 60% of those Pika tokens are going into a reward pool. That reward pool is the payout pool for our game, right? So we don't want say, okay, let's just put a number out there. There's 10,000 tokens in there, right? If 20,000 people start playing, one user is only getting half a token and it's no longer- I see, the, 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 there's just the reward pool is split up into many, many more smaller pieces. Yes, yeah. and, the, and that's why we're limiting the people that can play the game, which in return will make the NFT value go up as well, because there's limited amount of NFTs. But it's a very interesting sort of business model, this, isn't it? Because yeah. it's sort of, it's such a mix of different ideas, really, yes. isn't it? I mean, what is, what is driving the whole model, do you think? What, what, what's your aim with it overall? That's we, a very hard question. <laughs> I mean, are you building a game studio or are you building a currency that you're going to cash out on or, or, or what? Or a community? What's We're the... building a one-stop hub where a user, they only need to go to one ecosystem to enjoy it many different ways. So in our ecosystem, we, we cater to all um, audiences. So say if you're entry level, you're medium level, or you're expert at it. If you're expert at it, you're going to be evolving the tokens. You're going to be using the arbitrage opportunities. If you just got started into crypto, you might just want to buy the token and hold it. If you are an NFT trader, you could go onto our NFT platform and buy the NFTs. If you're a gamer, you could play our gaming so it's all different markets, really, yes, isn't it? Yes. And you sort of the customer profile is very different in those different markets, I yes, should think. Yes. That's why we need to target different marketing for each product. Right. Yeah. It's complicated. It's very complicated, but uh, we want our product, our ecosystem, to be a one-stop hub. Well, you're here now at the Bitcoin yes, SV yes. Con convention yes. in Dubai. How does how will Bitcoin SV potentially fit into your plans? So with gaming, um, what we notice is we're currently on the Ethereum network. Um, what we're seeing is 
the gas fees are way too high. The entry barrier for people getting into crypto is way too high. And that's what BSV is solving. And that's why we're choosing BSV. BSV can do micropayments. Ethereum cannot. So is your plan to make a a big switch out of Ethereum to BSV or what what would happen? No, uh, currently we're on Ethereum. We would like to have a bridge available that the user can bridge their Ethereum tokens over to the BSV ones and then BSV over to Ethereum. So they can, they can live alongside each other? Yes, yes. We won't kill one chain off. Right. The advantages of BSV, will they be more for the company or for the user, do you think? I would say f- for both. Yeah. Yeah. For the user, uh, being that they don't need to pay uh, $10 in gas fees to maybe get $5 in rewards. That doesn't make any sense for them, right? And say you're a new user, you're buying $100 of cryptocurrency, and now the network is telling you you need to pay $30 in the network fee. You're going to be like, I'm not investing in this anymore. So that's what BSV solves. Right, so you'll actually have a much more attractive product to yeah. offer yes. to your customers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Part of GameFi then yes. is actually to develop games. Is that yes. right? Yes, it is. And the rest of it is to do with the currency and with that, that side of it. Piece, yes. And so how, what, how big is the business then? How many people do you employ? So we have nine people that are in the core team and then we outsource most of our workouts. So graphic designer we have in-house, um, game developers we have hired from Brazil um solidity we have in house yes have, have you raised money from vcs or is it not is self funding it's self funded wow so that's a pretty good position to be in and, and can you give me any idea of the size of the business or i mean in terms of users or anything current market cap of pika is around 4.5 million based on the turnover that we had in the past we could value our company at around 40 million yes right that's that's pretty and it's only been going for Pretty short time. Pretty short time. Yeah. How, how many? Like a, eight months, I would say. Oh, that's eight, a very short months. time for 40. Very, very short time. But we're basing that uh, based off other um, other projects that we have seen that have raised funding right. without even having an MVP. Uh, so we have uh, NFT marketplace that has launched on Ethereum and Polygon. We have three token system that's on CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap. Um, we have developed a full game for iOS, Android, and PC. We're developing a, t- a trading card game in the future. So there's a lot in store. There's a lot that is giving value to the company. You, you've explained that the company started off uh, building on Ethereum yes. and that you're getting interested in BSV. You're yes. here at the BSV conference in Dubai. What is your general feeling from what the atmosphere here about the optimism around Bitcoin SV and its potential. I love it here. Everybody's so nice. Everybody's so keen to helping each other. What I see is other developers are working alongside each other to create a better product. And do you think they're right to be that optimistic about the potential of ESV? I would say yes. They absolutely should be. Well, thank you so much, AJ. It's it's been fantastic to talk to you and really good luck with your work. Thank you. Thanks very much to AJ Pal Palmer. Next week, I'll be finding out about the metaverse with Lou Yu of KuCoin Labs. Thanks very much for listening. And from me, Charles Miller, till then, goodbye. <laughs>